0: You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, welcome to Grace Church. My name is Russell, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online, in the cafe, or in the venue. Uh, we're so excited that you're here with us today. Uh, there is some exciting news for my family. Uh, we are adding a little boy to our house. We're so stoked about that, yeah. My wife and I, we've been married for almost two years, and um, man, this is, is going to be good. We actually have a picture of our uh, new addition, uh, really pumped about. <laughs> yes, every time. Uh, we have a, uh, we, we actually did that, um, with all of our parents at different times. And, uh, my, my wife Cassidy's dad started crying, um, before we told him it was going to, he was going to be a grand puppy, not a, not a parent. Uh, he's going to, he has a grand puppy, not a child. Uh, now this is, uh, Theodore Bentley Schultz, um, you can you can actually find his uh, Instagram. I think his name's Bentley the Doodle. Um, it's out there. He posts daily, pretty pretty often. He's he's pretty active on 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 Instagram. Um, but we we my wife and I couldn't decide uh, what to call him. And uh, I personally wanted to call him Theodore because he looks like a teddy bear. And any time that he did something wrong, I could say with a British accent, "Teddy," uh, and shout calmly at him, um, not shout, you should never shout at a dog, um, and then uh, she wanted to call him Bentley, so we named him Theodore Bentley, and we call him Bentley. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, we're in the fifth week of our series called Uncharted, and uh, it's, it's navigating life's tensions, and uh, I don't know about you, but life just seems like, the more I think about it, um, it just seems like it's navigating and exploring these tensions, and um, and I almost even imagine just a rubber band being pulled in different directions. Uh, and sometimes it's two directions, sometimes it's three, four, I don't know how many, but it's just figuring out how to keep this thing. And sometimes uh, sides get loose and need to be uh, pulled back tight again. Uh, and, and it can be difficult, and it can be challenging. And I've been challenged throughout this entire series, and I think you have too. And I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, we're not going to always do it right all the time. Um, in fact, actually, we, we might fail uh, quite a bit. But the good thing is God is, is gracious uh, and helps us navigate those things, and, uh, and He'll give us wisdom as, as we're looking to figure out how to, how to keep these things uh, tight, if you will. And so uh, this is true about what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the tension between us versus them. When I think about the word us, uh, I mean the groups that we belong to. Uh, it could be your family. Uh, it could be your grace group or a friend group. Uh, It could be uh, even bigger than that. It could be uh, your nationality. Uh, It could be your religion. Uh, It could be your political views. Uh, It could be several different things. Um, And then when I think about them, it's, it's those that aren't in our group. It's those that are different than us. Those that... Uh, that are different than us, and, and that might be okay, and that's not, you know, we just, we separate because we're different. And then there, it also could be them, meaning those that are different than us, and that we don't like that, and that we don't like them because of their differences. And so as we explore this topic, as we figure out how to, because we all need strong community around us, we all need to have a, uh, an us that we are a part of, and we all do belong to, to, to a group to some degree. Uh, but, 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 but we shouldn't just stay there uh, as, as followers of Christ. One of our missions is, is to go out into the world and share Jesus with them. And so as we do that, one of the keys is, is that as a strong group of people going out into this world to people that aren't like us. Because too often... We only talk to people that are in our groups. And so that's what we're navigating. How often should we do that and things like that. Um, last week Tim talked about uh, Solomon before he's, 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 he's young, he is a king, and he doesn't know what to do. And God kind of gives him a wish, almost like a genie granting him a wish. Hey, if you could have anything, what would you want? Solomon asked for wisdom. Wisdom. And uh, that's what we're going to need today as we explore this is that wisdom to discern how to, to function, how to navigate this tension. So, would you pray with me? God, I pray for, for wisdom. I pray that you would give us direction and guidance. God, I pray that you would show us our groups. God, I, I pray that you would show us where we belong. I pray, I pray that you would show us um, even the weaknesses in the groups that we are a part of. God, I pray that you would show us uh, who the them are in our lives. God, who are the people that aren't like us? And it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, God, who are the people that we would even say, we, we wouldn't even welcome into our own groups? God, I pray that you would convict us today, and I pray that we would grow. And I pray that we would grow so that, that, that we could um, sin and, and profess your name, the name of Jesus, to the world around us. So we love you and thank you for what you've done in our lives and want you to do in the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 today, if you have your Bibles. Now, if you need a Bible, or if you need message notes, or if you need pens, you can hold up your hand, and uh, one of our ushers will, will place one of those in your hand. Uh, the, the Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. Now, uh, you can also access the message notes at visitgracechurch.com slash live, or if you uh, have a smartphone, we have uh, an Android and an Apple app that you can download. The Visit Grace Church app and it has the message notes there for you as well. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 today. And when you look at Acts chapter 10, there's two distinct groups that are going to be seen through two main characters in Acts chapter 10. So the, uh, the two characters are Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman; he's a Roman citizen. He is a Roman centurion, meaning that he is in charge of a hundred men. And, uh, and he actually has some prominence in the Roman military because of his post. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good post to have, meaning that he was most likely a very good leader. Uh, also, this that we know about Cornelius is that he is a God-fearer. You'll see that in Acts chapter 10. He uses this word god fear. Also, proselytite is another word for that. Um, now, we, we know that he has left polytheism. The Roman world uh, had many gods, and they worship many gods, and he has left that, we at least know, to monotheism, and to some degree, he is prob- probably um, active in the Jewish, the Jewish culture. Now, he's not a Jew, he's not circumcised, uh, uh, but to some degree, he is worshipping, praying uh, inside of, a somewhat, of a, somewhat of a Jewish context text with his family, but he's still a Gentile. he's still kind of on the outside. Now Peter is our second character, and he is uh, a Jewish man who is a follower of Jesus. and uh, we know we know Peter. Peter is uh, one of Jesus's 12 disciples uh, and also an apostle. He is uh, a church leader. And uh, we're going to see these two distinct groups: Gentiles, Jews, Roman uh, and a follower of Christ. And uh, military leader, pastor. We'll see these two distinct groups. And as we, as we begin this conversation, as we begin this tension, the thing that we have to begin with is us. And what you're going to find out is, is that we don't want you to change uh, the unique parts of who you are. Right? You're not going to find at the end of this, this text that, 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 that Cornelius stops being Roman or a centurion or doing the things that makes him him. And you're not going to see Peter stop doing the things that makes him him. Jewish and a follower of Jesus, Uh, but what you are going to see is they're going to grow, and they're going to reach out to one another, and it's going to be profound. So we have to figure out what groups we belong to, and I want you to think about that for a second. What groups do you belong to? Who are, who is your friend group, your family group, maybe your grace group, and this is the characteristic that, that, that for this tension to really work well, that it has to be, is that there must be a strong us, let me say that again. That's on your sheet, too. That's your first point. is that there must be a strong us. That we have to have a strong community, a strong group that we're a part of. That we, we, we desire that. And it's necessary for us. It's necessary for us. Now, let me tell you what I mean by a strong us. What are the characteristics of a group that is strong? Now, the first one is this, and this is for individuals that are a part of this group— the first one is this, is that individuals feel loved. Very simply, individuals feel loved. That, that whatever group you're a part of, do you feel loved and do you feel cared for? Do you feel loved and do you feel cared for? Do you feel like your needs are met? And every person in this room in the world, every person that's ever existed is born with a need to be loved. Need to be loved by God, and then also need to be loved by others. And so we need community. We need our needs met by community as well. And, uh, and we find this in community. We find this in the groups that we belong to. The second one is this, is that you're included. Is that you're included. And now what I mean by that is that, that you can be yourself in this group. It's too often the groups that we're associated with that we don't feel like we can actually belong. In even though we are a part of the group, we still feel like we can't fully be ourselves. You can be you, that you are accepted for who you are, and you're even known for the things, maybe your flaws, maybe the things that your, your weaknesses, you're even known, your funny quirks are even known and accepted, and even your failures are known, accepted. And, and not that you would keep failing, but so that you would grow more. Now, I work with teenagers on a regular basis, and one of the hardest things for me, and this happens uh, early to late middle school, sometimes high school, early high school, but it it, it just depends, Um, I'll see these these students that are growing, and they're growing, and and you see their personalities come to life, and you see who they are, and and their excitement for life, and, and even their talents, they're all mixed into this, and then you see a switch happen, and they're looking for belonging. They're looking for acceptance. They're trying to figure out, hey, where's my group? Where's my group? Where do I belong? Where, where's my identity found in? And so what they do is they stop doing the thing that makes them them, and they start doing things that makes them fit in. And, 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 and you see these gifts and these talents and these, their personality uh, vanish for periods of time or is hidden behind masks for popularity or for acceptance now, that is not a characteristic of a, of a healthy group. That is not a characteristic of a group that, that is strong. And I don't think this is just limited to teenagers. I think uh, we as adults, we do the same thing, is that, that when we see a group that we want to be a part of, is that we will, we will, we will move and shake and, and fabricate ourselves so that we can be accepted when maybe inside we're dying because truly we just want to be known as who we are. The third characteristics of a group is this, is that we're challenged. Is that in this group that you're a challenge. Is a strong group doesn't let you stay the same. A strong group challenges you to be better than you are today. That calls you to be the best you possible. That challenges you to grow, to not stay the same. And that, that these people, that when challenges come, that they walk alongside of you, that they don't run away. That when challenges come, they walk alongside of you and they don't walk away. And here's the fourth one is this, is that you're celebrated. You as an individual is celebrated. And then also this, as as a group you celebrate. We as Christians have so much to celebrate. We have so much to celebrate. Yet, we celebrate so, so little. We celebrate so little. We get to celebrate life. We should be soaking up every bit that life has to offer because we have found life in Jesus. And that th- when groups do this, it's attractive, it's welcoming, it's bright, it's alive. And you want to be a part of it. Now, now, to be honest with you, this strong us, this is not a characteristic of every single grace group that I've ever been a part of. <laughs> right? You're like, if a grace group was like that, sign me up today, I'm going forever. I'll be perfect attendance at this place forever, right? But this is what the church should be like. This is the community of God. This is what we're called to be. And so as you think about the groups that you're a part of, as you think about uh, your, maybe your grace group or your friend group or your family, what, what about this do you need to grow in? What, where could you be stronger? Because if we're not a strong us, when we go to them, when we reach out to them, it's, it, it, we don't want to invite them into a weak group. Or a group that is uninviting, unloving, that just is boring, that stays the same, and that doesn't celebrate anything. No, we want to invite people into a group that is, is loving, that's accepting, that's challenging, and that celebrates often. And that we as people need communities that do the same for us. And you know, I feel like I've had the privilege of, of having these groups wherever I've gone. Now, uh, in high school, I've always had a group of like 5 to 15 friends that I, I, I could spend time with. Moving to college, same thing, about 5 to, to, to 15 friends that I can hang out with. I uh, got my first job, same thing, 5 to, to 15 friends. I moved to Colorado, same thing, 5 to 15 friends. Moved to Kansas, same thing, 5 to 15 friends. I moved a good bit, right? And, uh, and I, I just feel like God continued to provide. Now, the one thing is this didn't happen overnight. Once I left college, I realized that community wasn't just established for me. Up until that point... I'd always been in classes or in school with people my own age. And, and to some degree, community was fabricated for me. But once I left college, I was like, where are all my friends? Where are all these people? Well, you don't see them every day because you're, you're in the real world. And you're with people that are, that are of diverse ages. And it really taught me in that moment that you have to fight to create community around you. You have to fight to create community around you. And there are people around you. If you say, hey, I don't have a group, I don't have an us, there are people around you, I promise. And I pray that, that God would, would open your eyes to those people, even today, maybe even people that are in your aisles. But here's the other thing too. I didn't always only just have a group of five to 15 that I could hang out with. <coughs> I, had a, I had an inner circle as well. God always brought two or three people, sometimes one depending on the season of life, at every stage that I could share who I was, everything about me. I could tell them anything and they wouldn't walk away from me. And this is what Jesus modeled. Jesus came and he modeled this. Jesus had 12, right? Jesus had 12 and he even had more followers than that. There's you know, hundreds, debatably thousands, depending on the day. Um, and Jesus had, Jesus had people in his, in his outer circles of friends, acquaintances, and then he had his group. He had his 12 disciples, the close people that he spent time with. But then he had an inner circle of three guys that he hung out with. And and, and he didn't hang out with them all the time, but there were moments that he needed to do stuff with them, and he spent time with them. And you see this in Mark chapter 5, the the healing of Jairus' daughter. Peter, James, and John are Jesus' inner circle. Mark 9, the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, for some reason, these three guys keep showing up, and they get to do things that none of the other disciples get to do. Matthew 26, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, he's praying in the garden, he brings three friends with him to pray with him as he's sweating blood, asking God if there's any other way, and his friends fall asleep on him, but they're the ones that get the honor of actually trying to stay the night with him to pray with him on his last night before he's going to be crucified. He had an inner circle. And so this happens for, with us, too, with our own communities, with our own groups, is that you, I would challenge you to have an inner circle, and that you'll, you have a, a 5 to t- 15 or a 12, if you will, and you have an outer group, if you will, and that's okay. And here's the thing, is that people will move from different places inside, from our inner circle to the, to the 12, to the outer. And I would challenge you with this, is that we should not be so rigid to hold on to those, those people that are always in our inner circle, that life happens, and that God will bring people out and will bring people back in along the way. As in us, we need, to be, we need to learn to be inclusive even to the people that are like us. But Jesus, Jesus didn't just hang out with his inner circle all the time. Jesus didn't just hang out with the three all the time. Uh, Jesus went out into the world, which brings us to our second point, which is this, is that sometimes a strong us leads to being group selfish to them. Let me say that again. Sometimes a strong us leads to being group selfish to them. Sometimes when you like your group so much, sometimes when you like your, hanging out with your friends so much that you feel, you feel safe, you feel loved, you feel accepted, you're challenged, you're in a healthy spot, sometimes we unintentionally push people away. Sometimes we unintentionally just push people away and say, hey, we're closed, you can't come in, you're not allowed to be here, we're, we're, we're tight. We just say, hey, no, we're not, we are not. We don't associate with anybody else. <coughs> and sometimes, unfortunately, this is true, is that we intentionally push people away. Not that we unintentionally, not unknowingly, but we say, hey, this is our group. You're not like us. You don't belong here. We don't want you here. We intentionally push people away. Now, there are seasons, again, where you need to grow with, with your group. That's fine. But that's not forever. And sometimes we intentionally push people away and we become group selfish. I imagine it like this, is that there's groups that that are so tight, that are so strong, that that, just want to be together all the time. And and to some degree, they're a healthy group. They're like a castle, right? They're like a castle. And castles have walls around them and castles have moats around them. And a moat was basically a body of water dug around... um, dug around a castle and put, you know, animals and stuff would be put in there to protect the castle to keep things out. Do the groups that you belong to keep people out? Do the groups that you belong to keep people out? And this is, this is really the story that we find ourselves in in Acts chapter 10. This is the story, this is the situation that we find ourselves in Acts chapter 10. You see, we have two distinct groups. We have Peter, and we have Cornelius. Cornelius, again, he's a Roman. He's seeking God, but he's not a Jew. And then you have Peter. He has Jewish heritage. He's following Jesus, but he's still keeping these kosher laws. And, and for Peter to reach out to Cornelius, it would be social, socially unacceptable for him to do that in his context. If he had a meal with Cornelius, he would be shunned in his community for doing that. And so that's where we find ourselves in, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, We're going to start in verse 2. It opens with two visions, all right? Cornelius is his first. Cornelius hears from an angel, and it goes like this. God, a devout man, this is Acts chapter 10, verse 2. God, a devout man, excuse me, God, not God. Uh, Cornelius, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour, this is three o'clock in the afternoon, of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, skipping down to verse five, Now sending men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So we see Cornelius. Cornelius prayed often. He's a God-fearing man. He doesn't know uh, Jesus yet. He's not even a Jew yet, but he's just seeking things out. He's trying to find his way. He's trying to figure out what life is all about. And God hears him, and God sends him to someone who knows Jesus. God hears him and sends someone who knows Jesus. And I believe this, is that God is actually moving in our circumstances, in your worlds, in my worlds. And there are Corneliuses all over this city, all over your neighborhood, all over your job place, all over this world who are seeking God. And they're waiting for someone like you to tell them about Jesus. They're waiting for someone like you to tell them about Jesus. And unfortunately this is that I believe there are more people looking for God, His love, His grace, and His forgiveness, than there are people who are willing to tell them about Him. Let me say that again. I believe there are more people looking for God's love, His grace, his, even His salvation and His forgiveness, than there are people who are willing to tell, him, tell them about Him. So we see Peter's vision in, starting in verse 9. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near their city, these are Cornelius' men, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. That's that's lunchtime, that's noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. While they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, personally, I don't fall into a trance until after I eat. Um, That's just a... I don't quite understand, like when I'm praying after a meal, I'm done, I'm sleeping, it's good, we're visions, right, dreams, and this is, what Peter falls asleep before before the meal, and he, and he saw this, this is what he saw, heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet, bound at the four corners descending to him, let down to the earth. So if you can just imagine a big uh, sheet, like a bed sheet almost, coming down from heaven, And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice came to him, we believe this is Jesus' voice, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again, and the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Also, it's been said, What God has made clean, you must not call unclean. This was done three times. And then verse 17, now Peter wondered what this meant. And so Peter is has this vision, and, and you see there's this, there's this void, there's this gap between Peter and Cornelius. There's this gap between Jewish Christians and the rest of the world. And there's a problem. There's a void. Jewish Christians wouldn't be allowed to share a meal with a non-Jewish Christian because of this. They had these food laws. And, and I don't if you don't know much about Jewish food laws, um, basically the, the most simplest way is there are certain meats that they weren't allowed to eat. There's more to it than that, but just to simplify it, is that there are certain meats that they're not supposed to eat. And one of those meats that we commonly know is pork. And so, Peter has this vision, and we actually have a picture of, you know, a rendering, an ours rendering of this. You have this sheet, and you have all of these different animals, and some of them would have been socially clean for them, ceremonially clean for them, and some of them wouldn't have been. And Jesus tells him to, to eat this food, and so simply it would be like, Peter, eat some bacon. That's what, basically what he's saying, like, Peter, have a Baconator from Wendy's, okay? Like, and Peter's like, no, I've never had a Baconator before, I'm not supposed to, and I never will. It's essentially, I mean, like as simply as it, as, as it can be. And, uh, and then what, what, what God does is He says, Hey, no, listen, listen. I've made the Baconator clean. I don't know if God could do that. <laughs> but, but apparently He can. No, I've made the things that were unclean clean. And the reason He does this is that he is, He's bridging the gap culturally is what he's doing he's basically establishing the fact that these jews that weren't permitted to eat in these gentiles houses because of the foods that they served he's saying guess what now if a gentile serves you an unclean meat guess what it's clean it's good you can eat it take and eat it is okay Before, he wouldn't be able to do that, but now, now it's, you can actually go, you can eat this food, it's okay, and so now, the gospel isn't isolated to this castle with this motor around it, protecting it. It's actually opened up, and now these Jewish Christians can go out to every single nation, and not just share Jesus with those that are like them, they can share it with every single person, those that are different than themselves, it's so profound. The reason that we we know Jesus is because of this act right here as well. God breaking this barrier, bridging the gap, so that the gospel could could go forth. And so, on your sheet, you have a on your handout. You have a a, uh, a rectangle. You might have noticed that that's not for coloring. Um, I want you to imagine with me for a second if. If God, if God, God gave you a vision today, if you're praying later today and, and, and you just have this vision and this this sheet comes down from heaven, who who would be who would be in your sheet? Who would be the unclean in your sheet? Who would you say, Lord, no, no, I don't associate with those people over there? And like, we don't use words like unclean anymore. You know what I mean? Like, we don't say the people that live over there on 119th Street, those are the unclean. Right? We, don't use, we don't use language like that anymore. But what we do say is hey, those people that live over there, those that aren't like me, I'm not going to go over there. You know, th- Those that aren't as smart as me, those that don't look like me, those that believe differently than me. I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to talk to them. Why would I go out of my way to do anything for them? And so, if God had a vision for you today, who are the people in your life that you either intentionally or unintentionally deem to be unclean or not like you? Now, this could be, again, this, could be, this is a macro to a micro level. This could be groups of people. This could be a race. This could be a religion. This could be political. This could be a family member. This could be a coworker. This could be someone in this church that you said, hey, you're not good enough to be in our group. But this is what Jesus does, is that Jesus destroys the barrier and bridges the gap so that these Jewish people can bring Jesus' name to the world. And this is what it is. He, he builds a bridge for them. And so we have a bridge right back here, and uh, here's my question for you, here's my question for you is, is what's the first things, what's the first thing that needs to happen to bridge the gap for you? If you, if you, if you, if you think about that, it's on your sheet as well. What's the first thing that needs to happen to bridge the gap? There are people that, that, that we do view, and that it really is, we separate ourselves, say, you know, I'm a part of us, that's them over there, the people that, that, that God even brought to mind as you looked at that, that rectangle on your sheet. If God had a vision for you today, who would be unclean? Who would be not like you? Who would you avoid going to see? And what God wants to do is He wants to abolish whatever barriers in the way. He wants to abolish whatever barriers in the way so that, that He can build a bridge so that you can go from us to them and share Jesus with them. So that you can go from us to them and share Jesus with them. And this takes faith, right? Because let's be honest, some of these are deep-rooted hurts, pains, even hates. Some of it is just, I didn't know I did that. I need to, cha- I need to change. Some of it's unintentional. Oh, I need, I need to think, I, I have been group selfish, I need to think about others. But some of it is, I don't like people that are like, fill in the blank. And maybe God wants to use you, like he used Peter, to bring Jesus to them. Like, like, like Peter brought Jesus to Cornelius. And so we, we get to see this kind of transpire a little bit more. We get to see this this go, go a little bit forward. And, uh, and, and Peter goes to them. And, and so I have three thoughts for bridging the gap. If you try this, if you experiment with this, if you say, hey, I'm going to pray for God to show me who I view as them over there, those people over there, and then I'm going to ask God to bridge the gap between me and them. Well, what's going to happen when I do that? Well, first, let me encourage you this, is that we are better together, is that we are better together. If you go and do this, if you go and do this, I want to encourage you, don't go alone. I want to encourage you to, to go with a group of people. Don't, it's not me versus them, it's us versus them. It's us, us first. them. It's go as a strong us to them over there. We're better together. Bring people with you. And that's what Peter did in verse 23. Then he invited them in and lodged them. This is uh, Peter inviting Cornelius' men in. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. He brought some of his his fellow Jewish believers to go with them. uh, Because he wanted them to be a part of what God was doing. And so we don't need to do this alone. We do this inside of our communities. We do this inside of our communities. And I encourage you to do that. The second thing is this, is it won't be perfect. It won't be perfect. In fact, it will probably be really awkward the first time. You know, spanning through different cultures or going to to spend time with people that are different than us, oftentimes it's awkward because of our differences and we don't know how to interact there might be cultural differences. It might just be, I don't know what to say. And to be honest with you, I, I really think that we have moments like Ricky, Bobby, and Talladega Nights where we don't know what to do with our hands. <laughs> we really have these moments where we don't know what to do with our hands. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. What do I say? I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to do with my hands. And guess what? That's okay. It might be awkward. But even if you say something wrong or even if you do something wrong, if, if our attitude is love, it won't matter. So as you think about it, your heart matters. And so love conquers, or love covers a multitude of sins. So it, it, as you go, if you do go and do this, do this in, in, with a heart of love. Do this with a heart of love. I mean, this is, uh, Cornelius has one of these moments. He does something socially awkward in the moment. We see this in verse 25. So as Peter was coming in, now this is their first interaction First time you meet a guy, and this is the first time you're going into a house that you've never really supposed to be in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. He didn't know what to do with his hands, so he got on his knees and worshipped Peter. All right? That's not right. That's weird. That's socially uncomfortable. That's weird. Like, what are you doing? No, don't worship me. I'm not Jesus. I'm just Peter. I'm just a guy. I'm just a man. And that's what, that's what Peter does. Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. Now, Peter in that moment could have ran away. Peter, Peter in that moment could have said, I'm done, this is silly. We tried, I tried, I went into his house. He tried to worship me, and I left. But no, no, he stayed. He, 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 he went through the awkward. And just, you can write this out to the side, or just think about this, is that we quit, uh, we quit things too quickly, You know, if Peter quit too quickly, he would have missed out what God was going to do next. And I think sometimes we quit too quickly and we miss out what God is going to do next. Which leads us to the last point, is this, is that God shows up. Is that when we do this, God shows up and and God shows up here in Acts. And this is what we see in Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and that's what Peter did, he, he shared the gospel with them and they all believed and those of the circumcision, those that, that Peter brought along with them, believed were astonished as many, uh, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And what's going to happen is, is that when you begin to interact with people that are different than you, I believe that, you, that God is going to open your eyes. You're going to be amazed at what God does almost like these like like a little kid that sees something and they keep their mouth open and they're like they just can't not open it it's so powerful it's so amazing and where their mom's like Shh, close your mouth son you know what I'm talking about and, and i believe that god wants to show up like that i believe that god wants to show up like that where w- when when we step out in faith that after it or as it's happening that our mouths are just wow wow god he wants to show up he wants to show up. And God doesn't want to just show up. He didn't just show up 2,000 years ago. He wants to show up with you in your life, in your context now. He doesn't want us just to stay us. He wants us to have a strong community. I, I hope and I pray that you have a strong community around you. And if you don't, that, I, I, I hope and pray that you find one. And that you ask God to reveal the people that he's brought to your life. But he doesn't want us just to stay us. He wants us to go to them and, and, and share Jesus with them. To share Jesus, not with just people who are like us. If that happened 2,000 years ago, then we wouldn't be sitting in this room. If Peter doesn't go to Cornelius, if the gospel doesn't, it just stays in, inside of, of the Jewish followers of Jesus, the whole world doesn't know. But because God bridged the gap, the whole world was able to hear the gospel. The whole world was able to hear the gospel. And so for you, so for you, are you willing, because I believe this, I believe that God's going to put either a people group, it could be a family member, it could be a co-worker, I don't know who it's going it to be, it could be anybody, but whoever he's put on your sheet, whoever it is, he's going to place it on your mind. Ho- hopefully it's on your mind right now. And you're going to pray that God would bridge the gap for you, because God's the one that bridges the gap. When that time comes, will you be willing to walk across the bridge to them, and to extend the love and the grace of Jesus to them. Would you do that? Would you pray with me? So God, I pray that we would be obedient to this. God, I pray that we would trust that you want to do big things in our lives. And I pray for, 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 for the groups of, of us. God, I pray for the groups that we belong to. I pray for the places that we belong. I pray that we would, we would grow into stronger communities. God, I pray we would see the weak places in our communities, and that we would grow. And God, I pray that you right now would show us and speak to us the people that we push away. God, the people that we are group selfish to, whether it's unintentional or intentional. And God, I pray that you would show us the bridge that you've built for for us specifically, for our group, for our community, to reach into a new place so that others might know you. God, I pray that you would do this. God, I pray that we would be faithful to you because you are so faithful to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.